This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. This is a Business Radio special presentation of Mind Your Business, live from the EY Strategic Growth Forum in Palm Springs, California. Here is your host, Lauren Feldman. Hello. Welcome to a special two-hour episode of Mind Your Business, live from the EY Strategic Growth Forum in Palm Springs, California. You're listening to SiriusXM's Business Radio, powered by the Warden School. I'm your host, Lauren Feldman. I'm the Senior Editor of Entrepreneurship at Forbes. EY Strategic Growth Forum is an annual invite-only event with over 2,000 CEOs and founders in attendance. We're honored to be here and uh, send a big thanks to EY for hosting us. We're going to do something a little different today. Normally, as you know, the show is all about you, our listeners. We take your calls, offer advice, kick around what you're struggling with, whatever your pain point is at the moment. But today, we're going to be speaking with some pretty impressive entrepreneurs uh, about their own stories of success and failure. I'm here with my next guest, Nick Baer, founder and CEO of Saxby's Coffee. Welcome to the show, Nick. Thanks, Lauren. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate you joining us. Uh, and r- really curious to see how you came to, to start your business. I think you've been around more than 10 years now yep. um, in a very competitive field. Uh, it's It never ceases to amaze me. I mean, we all know about Starbucks. They're everywhere, three on every block in some cities, it seems. And yet... Um, People keep opening up new coffee shops, new coffee chains. Every region seems to have at least one or two. You're based in Philadelphia. There are several coffee chains that are just based in Philadelphia, uh, let alone uh, national. Well, what was it like in 2005? What led you to uh, to go into this business? You know, the, the industry was actually very different in 2005. But what attracted me to the business was was actually not really coffee. I'm a people person. I, I, I love uh, providing places for, for people of all walks of life to feel welcome. And what's great about the coffee business is we serve people that sadly sleep on the streets the day before and people that are wearing $5,000 suits out of the same space. It's a place where people feel welcome and they feel like they can be around other people. And, and that's what I've always loved about the business. I, I'm a people person. I like taking care of people, giving people opportunities. And that's what I've liked about this business. When I started in 2005, Starbucks was opening 5 new units a day in the U.S. They're not quite growing at the same clip, but they're still growing really aggressively. The pie, the coffee pie, has gotten significantly bigger. There's big national, international players. There's big re, you know, regional players. And there's a lot of indiv- individual mom-and-pop independent coffee shops. The business continues to boom, and I like that about the business. You know, it, it keeps us on our toes. It's certainly very challenging and competitive. But with the industry growing, it gives us a lot of opportunities. How so? What, what when you say with the industry growing, I mean, not all of those chains are going to survive, are they? Uh, that competition doesn't create opportunity, does it? No. I mean, I think you do have to find your niche. You know, and, and I think competition has forced us to find our niche. We were not the company that we are today five years ago. We certainly were that company ten years ago. When I first started this business, we were franchised. We don't franchise at all. We haven't, we haven't in years we were very focused on sort of coffee was, was you know, where, where we want to make our difference. Today, we're much more of an opportunity education provider. So, for example, we've figured out that our brand, our ethos as a company, we're a mission-driven company, make life better. We, we employ people out of homeless shelters, job reentry programs. Our brand and what we stand for differentiates with young people on college campuses. And so what we've done is we've taken that a whole other level. Instead of just opening up, you know, Saxby's on or adjacent to college campuses, We've actually partnered with universities like Drexel back in Philadelphia for students to design their own Saxby's and then run it for full credit. 
that's a niche that we've really created. So we've really focused on what we call the young and young at heart. You know, so those, those young people entering college are those that are transitioning out of college into urban environments. That's the only areas where Saxby's focus is right now. So the competition has forced us to figure out who are we, what are we good at, how do we differentiate, and then be laser-focused in those areas. Those sound like really interesting programs, and I want to hear more about some of them. But in terms of defining your niche uh, for a consumer who's buying coffee, yep. what's your niche? Our niche is, um, yeah, I would say first and foremost, we're a hospitality company. You know, we, we are very much in the people side. So that permeates everything that we do. Everything that we, you know, the way that we attract talent, the way that we interview, train, onboard, and, and develop talent is all about hospitality skills. We trained the quote-unquote hard skills, how to, run a, how to run a cafe, how to you know, count a till, how to close a cafe, how to make coffee, how to steam milk. We train to those things. We do not look for those things in the interview process. So I would expect, like I was talking to the, the ladies before I came on who traveled to 30th Street Station or go to University of Pennsylvania, everyone's first reaction to me is every time I go into a Saxby's, it puts a smile on my face. That's by design. How do you do that? We, well, you know what? It's, there's no... Um, there's no sort of like genius answer to that. I think the thing that I had to learn was the input has to be right. And what I mean by that is you've got to attract people that are naturally hospitable. Taking people that wake up in the morning and kick their cat and say something mean to their neighbor and then try to get them to put their Saxby's jersey on and be friendly, I can't do it. I don't know that anybody can do it. But if you get people who wake up in the morning and it's always sunny in their eyes and they're excited to do things for other people, those are Saxby's people. Those are people that we bring in. They feel at home in our culture, and we train them to be that person. We want them to be individual. We want them to, to appreciate who they are, be great teammates, because if they love the environment they work in, they can't help but give people memorable experiences because that's the business we're in. We're in the memorable experience business. Everyone can make coffee at home. They come to places like Saxby's. They go to places like Starbucks because they, want, they crave human experience, and so we've gone all in on the human experience side. You're listening to Mind Your Business. We're broadcasting live from the EY Strategic Growth Forum in Palm Springs. My guest is Nick Baer, founder and CEO of Saxby's. How big is Saxby's now? So we have 30 cafes. Uh, we employ about 450 people, uh, primarily from the D.C. Philly area, and we've just planted our first flag in, in the Boston market. So as we were talking about, Lauren, we're very focused on college campuses and urban environments. So Boston and Philly make, make a lot of sense, two of the largest college towns in the world. And so those are two areas where we, we focus a lot. Our, our brand resonates to, to that demographic. So we're going to be really focused on growing in those markets. And as What are your revenues now? Uh, we are, we'll finish the year probably right around you know, $15 million. And um, why don't you take us through the, the journey a little bit. You mentioned that you, you, it took a long time for you to figure out exactly what the right niche was yep. for you. Uh, first of all, why coffee? Did you consider, when you wanted to start a business, um, did you consider other options, or did you know that was it? You know, and, and what prepared you for it? Yeah, taking one step behind that. So my, my parents were actually super young. They were teenagers when they had me, didn't get an education, and took jobs just to get jobs to put food on the table. And for 18 years, I grew up in that house. And when I was getting ready to go to college, first person in my family to go to college, my parents said, do something you love. The last thing you should do is wake up every Monday morning and dread the next five days. <clears throat> so I was always very focused on doing what I'm going to love. Good parents. Very good parents. I'm very proud of them. And they're, they're proud of what we're building here at Saxby's. And so I go to, go to college, and I was a, you know, a fish out of water. Like, I saw all these amazing things. And for one week, I wanted to be a lawyer. Then I wanted to be a CIA agent. And then I wanted to be a real estate guy. I wanted to be a million different things when I was in college. I settled on consulting right out of school. I thought it was a good way for me to be around really smart people. 
see the mechanisms of how a business operates. And, and I got to start to manage people early in my career, which I think is such a, an incredibly important thing if you want to be able to build a business. But I started to realize I was entrepreneurial about a year out of school. My natural attraction was to bars, nightclubs, restaurants. I'm a people person. I don't have a lot of skills, but I like people. You know, like that's the, if I have one skill is that I just like people. I relate to people. I enjoy being around people. I talk so much. That's why I don't have a voice right now. So I was naturally attracted to that world. But, you know, if you're running a nightclub or if you're running high-end restaurants, the, the amount of people that you can serve and who can experience your business, your brand is smaller. I was very attracted because of like my upbringing and where I went to school. I have friends sort of across the spectrum, socioeconomically, racially. I wanted a business that would be literally open and attractive and affordable to everybody. And that's what the coffee business really provided me. Interesting. How did you, uh, how did you finance it at the beginning? <laughs> the way, so I, I like spending a lot of time in higher ed. So I'm an adjunct at Drexel, an entrepreneur residence at Cornell. I spent a lot of time at Wharton because I love to tell young people, do as I say, not as I did. I started Zaxby's literally two weeks after falling in love with the coffee business. I quit a great consulting job, and my investor was American Express. They just didn't know it. Um, I just started <laughs> swiping my credit card, and this was 2005, 2006, where if you had if you, paid you could get credit, credit card balance, you kept getting these congratulatory letters. You could spend ten thousand more and ten thousand more, and so one hundred and fifty thousand dollars later. $150,000 yep. in credit card debt? Yep. All to American Express? All to American Express. So, you know, I've, uh, <laughs> I, I, I had to work my way out of that. You know, it's, um, but I built a cafe out of that. We started franchising, which was actually, I always say, not writing a business plan, not having capital were two really stupid decisions. Probably the, the most uh, foolish decision for me was franchising right out of the gates. We had no business franchising. But I spent all that money. You thought it was a quick way to grow. Yeah, I thought it was a quick way to grow. And, and you know what? I, my How heart, quickly did you learn it was a mistake? You know what? I actually, I weaseled my way into this franchise seminar. I think I switched name back to someone to sit at a table with Fred, Fred DeLuco, who founded Subway. And I heard him tell the story of trying to grow too fast and franchise, didn't know what he was doing. And I was listening to him and I was like, wow, that's exactly what I'm doing. I should stop doing this. <laughs> and I didn't. You know, I didn't stop doing it. So I'm a really slow learner, obviously. But... Um, you know, I, I pretty much early because I realized that if you didn't have a franchisee that was mission connected to what you were doing and was very you know, going to be an owner operator in my industry, you were never going to be successful. Yet I kept doing it much longer than I should have. And you kept thinking, I'm, I didn't find the right person before, but next time I'll find the right person. Total entrepreneur, you know, where you're like always looking forward. You're, you're an inherent optimist. And my first investor was, uh, was a real estate developer, an angel investor in Philly, which precipitated my move from Atlanta to Philly. And then about four and a half years ago, a private equity group bought out his interest and put the capital behind Saxby's to grow. And, and the first thing, I, my first board meeting, they said two things to me. Nick, one, we don't make money unless you learn to spend money. I was really good at chopping up a dollar at that point. And second, we're not here to, to run the company for you. We're here to challenge you to think creatively about what you want to do. And the first thing I realized was we need to stop franchising. We need to start operating ourselves. So <clears throat> four years ago, we were 100% franchised. We've completely switched now. Now we're completely corporate owned. How did you handle that? Did you buy out your yeah. franchisees? Yeah. We, we actually st we still have um, three franchisees in our system. And we went to every franchisee and said, look, this is the business, you know, through high times and low times. This is how we figured out who we are as a company and where we're going in the future. If you want to be a part of that, if that's what you see is, is your future with Saxby's, we want you to stay with us. If you don't, 
let's sit down and buy out your business. So 30th Street Station, Penn, a lot of our, our you know very successful cafes were former franchise locations that we bought back, tore down, rebuilt, and have built in, in what we wanted tax to become. So what did the investors that you had back then see in, in you at that point? You know, at that point, you... You know, we now know today that you were still struggling to figure out your niche and how you're going to find a place in the world, you know, dominated by Starbucks and, you know, lots of other chains. What did the investors see in you at that point? It's a good question. So I was, I had the opportunity to, to be the keynote speaker at my, my private equity group's um, annual meeting this past summer. And I got to hear Bob Brown, who's the chair of our, of our board, created this private equity group. I got to hear him introduce me to a lot of his investors. And what I heard him say was, you know, we, we look to invest in businesses where we believe in the leader or the management team. You know, we like Nick because he's positive, he's optimistic. But I remember Bob saying he's a, he's a good listener. I'm, you know, I, I think I'm pretty confident in the few things that I'm good at. Everything else I want to learn from everybody else. And so I think that's one thing that the private equity group liked. Second was they liked that my industry is big and growing. And if we could if we could be fast on our feet, figure out what our niche was. So they really saw all that fast. competition, all those other chains as evidence that people are just drinking more and more yep. coffee and yep. looking for a place to hang out. Um, and, and I think that a lot of that data was there. Like our best performing locations have always been on college campuses and in urban environments. <clears throat> it took me a, a, a while to like read the tea leaves and be like, that's what we should focus on. That's exactly where we should be. But we're there now. Not now. We're actually focused in those areas. We're getting really good at it, and it allows us to differentiate. doesn't mean we don't compete with Starbucks and Dunkin' and all these good places, but that's a niche that we serve really well, and we're, we're, we're getting pretty good at. You're listening to Mind Your Business. We're at the EY Strategic Growth Forum in Palm Springs. I'm Lauren Feldman speaking with Nick Baer of Saxby's Coffee. Is price an issue? You know, not, not as People much. People love to make jokes about how expensive coffee is in this country now. They uh, do. They do. You know, it's... Yeah, I think it's it's one of those things where it's it's an affordable luxury for people. People are going to roll out of bed and be like, I'm going to buy a new Tesla today. But <clears throat> it is one of those things that's an affordable luxury. And again, the niche that we serve, when you go to a college campus, we are the place, like our business, sometimes it's specifically Saxby, sometimes it's other cafes, but that's the place where young people go to be around their peers. You know, so they're buying so much more than just a cup of coffee. They're buying that smile. They're buying the cool furniture, the fast Wi-Fi, the cool music, the live music. Like, they're buying so much more than just a cup of coffee. So I think when you take all that into account, you're looking at a $4, $5 ring. It's a pretty affordable luxury for people. And, and I think the price is going to keep going up. I mean, raw materials are going up, but I think we're seeing a lot of price elasticity. The in cost our of coffee, obviously, is something you can't control. It's always going to be what it is. <laughs> yep. Um, are there other uh, important costs that, that you're referring to? Labor. Labor. <clears throat> labor, yeah. Labor Labor's the big one that we focus on. Do you hire on. mostly college students in those locations? Is we that... do. You know, we, we pay um, about $1.50 more than minimum wage. We're trying to stay ahead of the curve with that. It's also very ethos, you know, focused for us. But, you know, we're seeing that if you provide a great product, and the product is what you're consuming and, and where you're consuming it, people will pay more for it. Like, I'm, you know, the prices have, have continued to go up in the last two or three years, and we've seen a lot of you know consumer acceptance to that. So you said something early on uh, about experiential learning and what you're trying to do in creating an environment. Now that we know a little bit more about your business, can you explain that more fully? What, what, what exactly are you trying to do? Um, so about five years ago, I kept getting invited back to, to universities to, to speak to students because now we're teaching entrepreneurship pretty much everywhere from community college of philadelphia to wharton and everywhere in between 
and we're teaching, and I say we as like an adjunct, we're teaching. I mean, these these schools are hiring you to come in and talk to students about your experience and and offer advice. Share your real world experience because the students want to hear it. And what they want to hear is the mistakes. They don't necessarily want you to come in and celebrate your successes, which there's, you know, I'm really good at talking about my mistakes. So you come in and I saw that we're teaching how to write a business plan, how to raise capital, you know, how to hire people in a classroom setting. But the hardest part of being an entrepreneur and being a business leader is actually doing it when there's live fire. And so universities are looking for experiential learning opportunities. I truly believe as a Cornell guy, Cornell teaches through the operation of a hotel, you know, the operation of a hotel. I said, you know what? We could do that with a cafe. These are busy operations, seven-figure operations, employ 35 people, but it's an environment that young people like and they feel comfortable in. So we partnered with Drexel. Drexel students designed their own factories at 34th and Lancaster, and it's been run day one, 15 hours a day. What kind of design decisions do you leave to these students to make? What are you talking about? Almost everything. Like The way the coffee bar is laid out is done by our architects. Because you can still tell it's a Saxby's, right? It's you can still tell it's a Saxby's, the menu, the hospitality standards, the quality of product. But all the furniture was reclaimed out of University City High School. is being torn down. The students went in there and found tables that they used to paint, you know, sets for plays. And they lacquered them. They built steel frames, and those became the central tables. Everyone thinks that, like, who made those for you? We said we pulled them out, almost pulled them out of a landfill. But more importantly, students are running that business 15 hours a day. They have full P&L authority, and the student CEO, cafe executive officer, as we call them, manages a team of 35 of their peers. And Drexel gives them full credit to do it. Those are, that's creating opportunities for the next generation of business leaders, which I feel really good about. That's really impressive. So when you went away from franchises, and we only have a couple of seconds left, but tell us, that meant you had to hire a management team and grow maybe yep. more slowly how do you find employees to, to manage your new locations then? It's one of the beauties of us being so involved in, in higher ed, you know, is we get to see, I like to say, we get the first look at the next generation of talent. So we're employing someone as an 18-year-old barista. By 20, they're a team lead three where they're managing people. And by 22, they're a CEO for us. That's our future talent pipeline. So that's, that's worked really well for us. Nick Baer, thank you so much for taking time Thanks to join us here. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.